This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room, Fong. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? Doing well. Yeah. Um, most people don't know, but we did meet on Twitter. And I think we just talked about this before we hit record. It's just one of those platforms. It's like, you got to get to it. You got to figure out how to leverage that. And because of that, I saw you speak a lot about some of the things you're doing in business right. and how that correlates. So I thought, you know, I'm on a business podcast. We got to bring you on. And sure enough, you responded. And that's just how easy it was. So for the sake of time, but also for context, what was your origin like? Did you grow up around entrepreneurs or was it the corporate uh, sort of world when you were growing up? Gotcha. I'd say definitely corporate world and or no entrepreneurs in general, right? So uh, again, just a quick background about myself. I actually was born in Vietnam, so grew up here in the States. But, you know, my parents, I think, were the typical type of immigrant story, right? And so grew up, uh, went to school, went to work in the corporate setting. And then while I was in the corporate setting, I kind of said to myself, you know, I don't know if I could do this for the rest of my life. I, you know, we worked with a bunch of large corporations. You knew that there needed to be change in these corporations. And then you saw kind of where it fell by the wayside and all the good stuff. Right. So I think uh, after a couple of years um, consulting for large firms who were on the you know, brink of brink bankruptcy, I kind of said to myself, hey, you know what, let me put my like hat into this entrepreneurship ring and actually help small businesses, right, be able to leverage the knowledge that I know and to hopefully be able to create a better outcome from uh, them than what they would like would have beforehand, right? Because again, when you're in the corporate slug, it's a very slow moving type of vehicle. And now the work that you do specifically, I mean, from what I have here in my notes, you've you've created data visualization solutions for the Marines, for right. for campaigns and with NYU, and in general, help small businesses obtain like one point five million dollars in financing. So, so this was your first venture, or like a number four in the in the process. <laughs> So I would say this is my first venture, but it's all of the iterations, right? So at the end of the day, um, and again, kind of going back to my background in general, I worked for a larger consulting firm back in the day, and I worked within the corporate restructuring department, again, helping bankrupt companies try to live another day, right? And as I saw that, I was like, hey, you know what? Again, these small businesses and all types of sorts of people probably kind of need the knowledge that we're kind of given, right? Um, but the most important thing that I realized is after kind of talking to the large stakeholders, right, is the C-suites, the like chief technology officers, et cetera, treasury secretaries, 
what I realized was, hey, you can give them all these facts, data, everything about their company, right? But it doesn't really matter unless you can tell that story in a very compelling way. So I used my knowledge in uh, kind of the corporate finance type of setting and said, hey, I wanted to start a company that combined you know, the data, finance, and then the design side of it as well. So you'll kind of see the disparities between, hey, you sound pretty analytical. And then like, hey, this is like the creative process that we go through, right? And I think when you have those two ends together of combining data side or data, and then um, just compelling design for its stories, you get a much more robust picture for any type of organization. And so at first we started only with design, right? Because um, that's kind of what our team knew best. And when I say our team, I was not the designer, but I worked with a bunch of designers. And then we kind of progressed our way through saying, you know, hey, we see that you have a lot of data sets that you could use, right? And so how can we best, one, analyze that data set, but then tell it to your stakeholders that actually would care, right? Whether it be the C-suite or maybe a board or other type of stakeholders. So that's kind of how you see the progression of like us doing um, you know, campaigns for NYU, and then we're doing data visualizations for the Marines, right? And then as we were kind of, you know, the big clients um, definitely help keep the lights on in the organizations, right? Um, but we do work with smaller um, uh, SMBs as well uh, that do roughly a million or more in revenue, right? And within these particular uh, companies were doing the same thing of consulting them where where can they um, best utilize their marketing design right what type of data sets can they utilize to understand their customers better but then what I also saw was hey your operations are working really well right there's actually not that much of uh, not much more that you can do at this current point, right? There's always something more that we can do, but as a small business, you're doing the best you can. And what's really holding your business back is the lack of financing options um, that's available to you know the current business. And so that's kind of how I dipped my hat in the financing side as well, because like I. I know the company inside and out. I know what their cost structure is. I know how they generate revenue. The question is, how do we actually get them to the next level? And I kind of said, hey, because I know you guys so well, right? You know, let's start doing some financing opportunities. And so um, I actually do a bit of financing, you know, and I've kind of raised money for them as well. And then we've also helped them get um, larger loans, right, um, from a variety of different sources. So at the end of the day, right, um, the companies can actually have the ability to operate their business at a lower cost structure than maybe they would have um, uh, on a more, you know, outside kind of market uh, initiative. So that's kind of the roundabout way of how all these things tie together, right? All the very disparate type of, um, uh, of, I guess, maybe like services, right? But then they all have this interconnecting part of, one, how can we just make businesses better and actually get straight to the point, right? <laughs> like at the end of the day, we want to help folks grow and, you know, sales, uh, understanding your data and then financing are the best ways to do it. Yeah, no, it sounds like you're in the business of money in, in, in the, quite the literal sense, right? Where it's like, 
usually some some companies will only offer analytics and that's that. And why would a small business care for that? They don't even know what's going on. They're literally, I'm just trying to keep the lights on. Uh, And then we're talking about uh, developing systems and processes and cost structures and being clear about what they are, right? That's the other thing. And that's you knowing what their entire operation looks like uh, because you had to get the analytics, right? And and the Mm -hmm. best way to do that is by putting the systems and processes in place necessary to capture those data points. Uh, And then of course, it's like, well, now that we have this information and we presented it in a compelling way, which is where the design component comes in, Mm -hmm. uh, this is all obviously an effort to get money. Now, not only do I believe it's worth investing in your company, but I believe I can get other people who can see this information, mm-hmm. consider it relevant, and give you money to, to help scale and grow your operation. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, that is 100% correct, right? And I want to actually touch upon the last part is that I, I think right now we um, sometimes are very lucky to be in the networks that we are, right? And, you know, how I started to actually you know, raise money from other folks, right? on behalf of these um, small businesses is because I recognize that my friends wanted to have good returns, right? And they wanted to diversify their investments that were, you know, that some had them in stock options in the companies that they worked with, some had them in equities, others were buying houses, et cetera, but it doesn't matter because they still had a portion of their, uh, you know, assets that they wanted to invest in other ways, right? And so really, I kind of thought it was a win-win because the company itself was offering a very good rate of return, right, for these financing opportunities, you know, so our, our network had it, so why not put two and two together? And knowing the business inside and out, I think really helped kind of more the uh, private financing um option just because, you know, there's one thing if somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I have a really great opportunity for you, right? Like, here's the high level, like, just trust me, like, just do it, right? But there's another, um, I guess, more of a solidifying trust where somebody that you know for quite a long time has done the type of diligence, right, that you want to know of the company. And then that gives it, I guess, a, a little bit of an easier of a yes, right? They're like, okay, we already know where the you know the pros and cons of this companies are. We're okay with the risk, and then it's being brought by somebody that you know we have known for quite some time. And so, you know, folks are a little bit more willing to do a private financing deal, right? As opposed mm-hmm. to being like, oh no, I can put my money elsewhere. Like I don't know, maybe you know what happens if this company does X, Y, Z, like, you know, what's going to happen, right? So I think, you know, at that point in time, um, being able to get other folks, right, that normally would not have invested in small companies in order to do so, I think that's one of the really compelling, you know, compelling reasons that we, that most folks haven't tapped into yet, right? Because, that's kind of how we grow the business, right? Businesses grow through capital and they need cheap capital, right? At a fair price. So um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been definitely a mission to get them fair access to capital, not free capital, not completely expensive capital, but fair, right? Yeah. No, there's, there's a, there's a strong theme of democratizing the friends and family round to make it possible to eventually get to a series A, a series B, whatever, if it makes sense. Uh, Before we go any further, I want to check in with Jason, who's been listening to this, uh, this journey unfold and the process itself. I'd love to hear his reflections on that. Yeah. It's like you ask a sales guy, 
uh, is it about the money? They'll say, eh, it's not about the money, but it's about the money, right? It's always about the money. And what's really neat is I, I love to kind of be the one that just gets to listen to the first part before a response, because, you know, listening to how <clears throat> your story really birthed a company out of superpowers that you learned through time and now getting to apply those superpowers in your own business is that's how entrepreneurs and business owners are born. It's, it's always by, you know, sometimes it's by pure mistake, <laughs> right? Or it's the need to want to do things and change things different because you can't do that if you work for somebody else. Right. Yeah. So um, really, really, that's it. Yeah, you know the point, to be honest. I thought, yeah. out in my career, I always thought, oh, I'm going to climb the corporate ladder. You know, why not? That's what we're told to do. And then once you get on that ladder, you're like, you know what? I kind of just want to do it my way or yeah. at least change the way a little bit. You can yeah. climb it, but it's going to take a long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want to build my own stair or escalator. That's right. There you go. That is always, it's not the easiest way, but it, it definitely always turns out to be the better way for many reasons, even though it's scarier, harder, you know, it takes, might take longer. It might not. You never know. You get the right, you get the right traction going. You, you, it may be moving and growing too fast for you, right? Um, and that's a whole other problem, but that's a good problem to have. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it takes this iteration, right? And I think I've really learned to embrace the iterations that come apart to this, right? Like I said, this is my first venture, but it's gone through a lot of change, right? People come and go, um, you change how you speak to your customers, what your services are and all the good stuff, right? But at the end of the day, that's the one thing that's constant, right? And if you kind of just uh, see it through, it's it becomes very fruitful. Yeah, now we're, we're coming into the close and we'll be making a transition here. But I, you know, you mentioned something about uh, how your network really, really provided the, op- helped you see the opportunity that existed and, and where you wanted to iterate and go towards. So if you could go back and talk to yourself as you were thinking of, you know, stepping away from that corporate ladder and building your own, what would you say to yourself knowing what you know now about the business, where you are right now and how things maybe could have been done uh, in a different iteration from an earlier standpoint. Right. 100%. Honestly, I probably would have just talked to more folks about it. Right. And so, you know, I, uh, at a certain point in time, I had a business partner and we, we decided to start this together and I was like, all right, like we got our idea down. I see there is a need for this market, you know, for these services in this market, like let's go and do it. Right. And honestly, uh, when I first, before I, um, actually quit my job, I did sell a couple of projects before I'm like, okay, let's actually see what, (laughs) Whether or not I can make money off of this, right? Um, And the one story that I always like to tell is the first card that I ever like handed out, I actually made my first sale, right? And so what I would say going back is that 
don't take that first line of success as the end all be all of like, this is concrete. This is exactly what's it, right? Take it as a note, take it as a data point, right? But also recognize other things that can change and evolve with it, right? And so if I were to go back to my, you know, to, uh, we've been doing this for four or five years now, right? Like if I were to go back, I'd say, all right, appreciate your successes, right? But also understand that the first time is not the only time, right? Or it's not the end all be all time. So speak a little bit more about your idea, talk to others about it, see what resonates with, with them and whatnot and continue to do it before even you actually step into the pool, right? Because um, I mean, I see these folks again on Twitter all the time where they're kind of starting their businesses before they even either quit their job or are even out of school. I'm like, honestly, that's the best way to do it. You test your market, see what fits, right? And then go from there. So I'd say, yeah, I, I wish I would have tested my market even more. <laughs> Mitigate your risk a little by- Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, before we go any further and and uh, finish the latter half of the, of the show here, I want to take a quick moment to give a, a shout out to our supporters that made a conversation about your business and your journey possible. And today that is uh, Will Black with Sharing the Credit. And so sharing the credit is an interesting concept because we know as business owners, we have to have services that accept payments, right? And every time we do that, there's a fee that goes to the bank that we accept the payments from. Now, many don't know this, but legally you can have that go to a nonprofit instead of the bank. And most people don't know that. So sharing the credit will help you get that done. Oh, you can stick it to the man, right? Which is the bank or whatever that means, right? But uh, also you get to create more impact as an entrepreneur and what do entrepreneurs love to do? Hey, you can add philanthropists to your to your resume if you do that. So uh, you can go to sharingthecredit.com, let them know the war room sent you and they'll they'll take care of you. So with that said, Fong, where can people connect with you preferably for you? Uh, and what should they know uh, about connecting with you, one note they could send you or what thing that you might be working on that you want them to check out? Awesome. Okay. So I think the best uh, way and uh, lots of folks have been, or we've been talking about it, right? It's definitely Twitter. I uh, personally, if you uh, just go to follow my Twitter at PN underscore partners um, or at partners and co um, we're on Twitter there. You can also find us on LinkedIn, but yeah, definitely much more active on Twitter and also our website, www.partnersandco.com or partners and company, whichever one you want to put, um, it all goes to the same place. Um, yep. So website, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, we're all there. Love that. And now the grand finale, drum roll, please, as you know. <laughs> if not you gonna, could, you're not going to be box this morning? No, no, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> oh, I, like man, on on this show. <laughs> I just, you know, a drum roll and a beatbox, two different things. I don't uh, know. I, I can do it, but it's, is it, is it the same? <laughs> um, <laughs> if you, you could have invited anybody today, Fong, to, to this conversation that you would have loved to have had here, any, and I mean anyone. Who would you have loved to have had here and why them? All right. So um, a lot of folks know this about myself, but I am an oat milk evangelist, right? Since 2018, I have been on the oat milk train and I've 
scoured the, uh, the at least the continental United States for the best oat milk. So I will say I would love to uh, have talked to the CEO of Oatly. I, I believe his name is Tony Kitterson. Um, but again, the way that he's revamped the brand, the way that now it is a huge market category. And also, you know, I'm going to say like their stock performance hasn't been doing that great right now, but learning how, you know, you go from the, the height of, oh my gosh, this is the most popular thing at this current moment to, hey, we're going through some like growing pains, right? And struggles at this current time and just recognizing how he's, you know, handled all of those moments. I think that would have been a truly um, very, very interesting conversation. We're going to have to find a way to get him on. And I personally drink a lot of oat lattes. It's oh, really? I'm in, yes, I'm in hey, Los hey, Angeles, hey, you know. I'll ask you what your favorite. <laughs> absolutely true i i it's one of those things uh it's it's so los angeles it hurts i remember okay. i i when i had first moved to new york you know uh we could say like oat latte in la but they're like a latte with oat milk like it's very specifically different in new york as it is i think it's cut catching on more because they say cafe latte whereas out here in la you can just say latte and everyone understands what you mean it's oh my really God. weird but it's totally like spoiled brat coffee, you know, like, you know, I should just be pouring myself a 30 cent cup of black coffee. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. The fact that that's kind of the um, default setting now in LA, I'm blown away. I cannot wait to <laughs> New York city, to be honest. I'm on the same boat as you are. Um, yeah. Oh man. I got to make sure that I say oat milk when I get my coffee, you know, when I get coffee, <laughs> it's because everybody out there is like, yeah, let me get a coffee light and sweet that and everybody Everybody knows exactly what they mean. Um, but look, Fong, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We don't always have a lot of time to get to know people. But for me, this is one step closer to building a solid network, not only on Twitter, but with good people. You know, And that's what this show is about, is helping take business learnings and helping people avoid those pitfalls. And you definitely spoke to that today with helping people understand how to mitigate risk and how much it's worth it. And this is coming from someone that does data analysis for a living and helps companies find the capital necessary. So don't take it with a grain of salt. But it is tradition right here for Jason to close this out, so I'm going to let him do that. Awesome. Well, yeah, gosh, it was great to have you on the show. I love the 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 corporate to to entrepreneur and business owner story, right? Because it's it's there's a lot of that <laughs> for sure. There's a ton of it, and uh, I just have to give a little personal shout out because uh, we had somebody on the show last week, and. I don't know if you have children or not, but, but I have young children and screen time is like a big thing. And uh, th there's this company called Tony's T O N I S. And they make this cool little toy that it's, it's a box. And then they have the different characters. You put the characters on top and it's interactive, no screen. We get our kids away from the screen time back into play uh, in a whole different way. And I just, for me, it's, you know, I thought it was really cool. So I'm like mentioning it now on some of the shows uh, because it is a thing that a lot of us as parents go, Hey, here's an iPad, go sit there and shut up. Right. <laughs> it's like, we can get away from some of that. And, and that's, I just wanted to mention that company because it's really is a great little company. But other than that, thank you for being here. Thanks for taking 25 minutes out of your day. We all have the same 168. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come share your story and, and share some, some good enlightenment in your field with our audience. 
Right. No, I appreciate being here. Thank you for having me all. And, you know, again, to what you said, Philip, love just connecting with folks, regardless of the medium or where or when. So um, I'm going to say thank you for, uh, for having me from New York, but I know we have LA and I'm not sure where you're from, Jason, but um, yeah, I think we're all connected, just not in the same place. And it's beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. You know, yeah. It's a pleasure. Jason's in Boulder, Colorado, in case you okay. are curious. <laughs> and honestly, really, it's just been a pleasure. So thank you for stopping yeah. by. I'm, I'm the baloney in the center. There you go. That's <laughs> the That's so true. That's so true. Wow. Oh. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right. All right. Love the bologna sandwich. <laughs> All right. Later. Thanks, Later. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.